Hey, everybody, what's up? It's your boy, MJ. Hey, man, I'm excited to announce a great community and platform that I've been working with called Rare Liquid. Uh, you know, a couple months ago, I was at an incredible event in Paso Robles with the Rare Liquid team and their founding artist and producer, Turtle Rock Vineyards. Uh, you might remember this was my number one wine from 2021, my famous Blackberry Cobbler a la mode motherfucker. Uh, Rare Liquid is really cool. They're building a network of artists and producers, collectors, and storage providers to solve the provenance problem for the rare wine and spirit industry. Members get access to verified limited edition drops from elite producers and can frictionlessly share, trade, gift, and monetize their collections. While for the first time in history, artists and producers can earn a royalty payment every time their bottles trade on the platform. Rare Liquid is expanding to 560 members through their invite-only Founders Club drop. You can check it out at rareliquid.club, which I'll put in the show notes. Uh, Rare Liquid has given me a limited number of membership invitations. If you're interested in an invitation and learning more, hit me up on Instagram at MJTaller, or you can just send an email to blackwineguy at gmail.com. Hey, I'm MJ Taller, also known as a Black Wine Guy. I went from being a totally obsessed wine newbie to becoming the world's first ever African-American fine and rare wine auctioneer in less than three years. In this show, I'll be talking to the mavericks, the philosophers, the players, and the deep thinkers who inhabit the world of wine. They'll share their experiences on how they made it, but more importantly, how they failed and got back up again. So grab a glass and let's get to it. This is the Black Wine Guy Experience. Hey, everybody. What's up? It's your boy, MJ. Welcome to the Black Wine Guy Experience. My guest today is the sixth generation family leader slash CEO of Friuli's Marco Faluga and Ruzis Superiore, Ilaria Faluga. Then I mess up your name. Uh, Ilaria is a swiftly rising star in the world of Italian wine. She was recently named one of the top 100 winemakers in Italy, and she was also named one of the 15 most important Italian wine producers in 2023 by Corriere della Sera, which is a, a newspaper of note in Italy. Uh, I, I haven't read it. I don't read it in Italian, but trust. Um, and she has been running her family's historic estates since the tragic death of her father, Roberto, in late 2021. Welcome, Ilaria. Thank you, MJ. Thank you for being here. Um, you brought some wines with you. Uh, uh, tell everybody about the wine we have in our glass right now, which I'm going to have a little bit more of. So what do we what do we got in our glass right now? So, yes, I bought a few bottles, four, from both the wineries. As you said, the wineries are two. Marco Feluga, the family name, my grandfather, who's becoming this year 96 years old. He's still working with me. And um, actually, he founded the winery in 1956, but my family started uh, more than 150 years ago before him and, uh, and actually started with uh, Locanda, so a very small restaurant. And they were producing more food than wine. Okay. Then, uh, fortunately, uh, they moved to, to producing more wines, and uh, here we go. Okay. So S this is a local grape. Uh, one of the oldest local grape of Friuli Venezia Giulia. It's Ribolla Gialla. 
100% from Colli Appellation, it's our appellation in Friuli, one of the oldest of Italy. And um, I have to tell you that Ribolla Gialla, it's a local grape that it, it's becoming very popular in Italy and abroad, actually. Um, I would say because of her impact, her structure, you can feel that you've got a lot of high acidity while tasting it, but very low structure. So that's why I think this is a, a softer wine that people like. Yeah, I mean, um, if you've never had a Ribola, and I don't, I don't know how many I've had from Italy. I've had, because it is popular, it's become popular amongst a few people in Napa Valley. There's some plantings because there were so many Italian immigrants. Um, so there are some plantings. There are a few people, smaller boutique producers making some. But I think to your point, as I tasted, I love the aromatics on it. Um, I hate to do this, but as I give people, I give people a point of reference. So it has that white burgundy thing where, like you said, it's it's plush like a Chardonnay. It's not a Chardonnay. It's Ribola Giola people. But in the mouth, it has that round mouthfeel. But then it has that 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 brisk acidity. Um, so uh, that's very cool. And so it's an indigenous grape to this region correct yes okay and um tell people a little bit about the uh well we'll get into that let's go back let's start at the beginning so how old are you 27 years <laughs> old and um you're like you said uh, when you're entering the wine your family you're you're the sixth generation but your family um your grandfather started Marco Faluga in 1956, right? Yeah. Okay. So where did you grow up? I grew up uh, in uh, Udine, which is one of the main city of Friuli Venezia Giulia. And then I moved to Liguria because my mom lives there. And so my father, my parents divorced and I, ha I moved with my mom, of okay. course. And then I was going back and forward from Liguria to Friuli. Quite close, far, far hours by driving, more or less. And, um, but then I've decided to join the University of Viticulture and Enology in Udine. So I, I moved back to Friuli Okay. again. So for all the Americans out there listening, like myself, kind of... Where in Italy are is both uh, Friulia and then Liguria? Like where 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 would they be? So we, everybody knows the boot, and uh, so you're northern Italy. Can you kind of give everybody yes. an idea? Okay. Both of them are in the northern part of Italy. Friuli actually it's the northern east region of Italy, and it borders with Austria and Slovenia. Okay. And the Adriatic Sea. Then Liguria, it's on the left part of Italy. It borders with France, uh, and then you've got the Ligurian Sea. So, yeah, very beautiful location, both. Uh, and actually, in both of them, you can find mountains, sea, hills, so everything you need. <laughs> 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 now, see, I get it. That's really cool. So how old were you when your parents split up? I was nine years old. Okay. Yeah, quite young. Yeah. To understand, maybe. But then when I 
grew up, I, I did understand that they were two different kind of people. So it was the best decision. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So I think when we when we were um, warming up or just kind of getting into rapport talking, you mentioned you have some really good older friends. And now are those friends from Liguria when you were little? Mm -hmm. or yeah. Okay. And one from Friuli. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, you know, because um, I, I always find this interesting um, what's it like um, living kind of like in two places? So I, I, I would assume at some point you'd go spend some, like when school's out, maybe spend some time with your father? Yes. Okay, so what was so what was that like, bounce between having two sets of friends growing up? It has always been uh, quite hard, I have to tell you, um, because I was new for a certain way there, and the other place. But um, I have to tell you that I can't choose. I mean, I've got very close friends nowadays mm -hmm. in Liguria and uh, in Friuli too. So yeah, I feel home in both places. Yeah, it must be nice, right? Like you always got a place to crash. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing was that in Friuli, you've got a very important accent uh, when you talk uh, okay and even uh, official language uh, called friulian language uh, that i cannot speak it's too hard uh, yeah because in family we weren't speaking any friulian uh, and even in liguria so my accent wasn't not coming from liguria not coming from friuli so people had fun in, in saying oh coming from uh, you've got a very nice accent uh, playing with me but yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's that's interesting I, I i mean that makes sense because italy was a bunch of just little nations or city states right yes. uh, historically yes so you know we all think oh they speak italian right but like mm -hmm. you know as i've come as i got older you know it's like no like they're from the south and they're you know like, yeah, like, like it's very yeah, yeah you know like no i'm from tuscany or i'm from people like people are from where they're from um so <clears throat> you said you know you, you went to school obviously in liguria and then when it was time to go to university you went back to uh Fruley. and what's the name of towning like it's uh udine udine okay um was that specifically to go to the the uh, school of enology and, and viticulture that was specific or yeah it was specific but i didn't know that i wanted to attend that university okay till the time between uh, high school and university i took one year abroad and uh, my father told me okay laria but at least uh, go somewhere where you can learn english so I decided to go to London, full of Italian, but okay. <laughs> and, uh, and over there, uh, I've stayed there in a family for four months. I was going to the, um, to the school in the morning and in the afternoon I was working with our importer in UK. And um, at the end of this experience, my father told me, okay, I'm gonna come to pick you up, but the, the day before your flight, we're gonna have a dinner with our importer. So I was joined at dinner and uh, I never been to a, let's say, uh, work dinner tasting together. Yep. It was my first time. 
And when I was entering to the restaurant, the chef was coming to saying hi and uh, to say that he was reading all our history and uh, he was tasting our wines uh, to get the menu ready for combine everything, uh, the perfect match. And uh, then my father, of course, was attending the dinner, doing the tastings and everything. So when I came back from that trip, that dinner, I decided to join the Viticulture and Enology University. Okay. Mm. <laughs> uh, very cool. Um, so, how 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 long is pro how long is university in uh, Italy in Europe? The same about four years, three years, or three years? Oh, three yeah. Okay. You okay. can add then two years more if you would like to practice more on okay. the agricultural enology or marketing and communication part. And so you graduate, and um, do you join the family business right away, or do you go work for someone else right away? I'm starting working at the wine, the, the family winery, okay. while studying. Okay. And it, it became very hard, because when you are getting in, then if they're gonna asking you, would you like to join me for that tasting or would you like to go to see that vineyard or would you like to, you can't say no. So I, I have to tell you that I did miss some years of studies, uh, but I was already practicing everything. So I was very lucky yeah. to do both. Yeah, yeah, sounds like it. So let's talk about, let's go back to um, your family's history in the region um so you're the sixth generation um your grandfather started the marco feluga right that's correct that's his name right yes okay um so it'd be so that's uh, he would be like three that's the third so who are the three before your grandfather yeah so everything started more than 150 years ago okay in a place who's nowadays uh, Slovenia. Okay. But at that time, it was always connected to Italy mm -hmm. before under the Republic of Venice uh, and after under the Habsburg Empire. And over there, the family started with a very small, small, small restaurant uh, called um, Locanda Bonavia. And uh, over there, they were selling food and wine. Okay. Uh, then they decided to buy some lands. Isola, it's on the coast, uh, and on your back, you're gonna have very high hills. Uh, and, um, and then they decided even to start the shipments from Isola to Grado, who's another village on the coast. Uh, so the shipments were very good from one place to the other. And in Grado, that small town, uh, they wanted to open a warehouse, uh, and they did it in 1920. So it would be even easier move uh, from Grado to the two regions that were Veneto and Friuli Venezia Giulia. In Friuli Venezia Giulia, uh, the um, father of my grandfather, Giovanni, find out that the hills uh, and the landscape were, were quite close to Isola, so he wanted to buy some lands uh, and actually opened the first uh, 
let's say, real winery uh, in Gradisca di Sonzo. That was in 1938. And that was a fortune for the whole family because of for with the Second World War, everything that was in Isola stayed in Isola because many families, not just our family, lost everything that remained on the border. So, and uh, but the family was already moved all of us, uh, let's say, in Friuli Venezia Giulia, and um, my grandfather Giovanni could. Uh, start uh, and continuing actually the the history of winemaking uh, with two of his seven sons Marco and Livio uh, they stay together these two brothers till 1956 uh, and then they found the wineries uh, Marco Felluga in Gradisca di Sonzo so that the first headquarter of the winery and Livio instead moved to Colli Orientali del Friuli, so another denomination. It's these Italian brothers, you know? It's like the Scavino brothers. Everybody's like, you know what, screw you. I'm doing my own. So did, do, did, um, did your father and his brother get along? It just, they were doing their own thing, but it was, was did they get along? Was it was it amicable? Was it, were they friendly? It's just like, I want to do this, I want to do that, or, or was it a little? Mm, at the beginning, a little bit tricky because my grandfather, is one of the youngest brothers and instead Livio the oldest one. So a lot of difference, let's almost 10 years okay. of different um, range of age, but even the thoughts were different. So I always say, and my grandfather says the same, that it was a fortune because they could make their own way, brilliant own way. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, and I have to tell you that my grandfather didn't stop uh, over there because he bought another winery that it's called Rusitz Superiore in 1967, that it was already a very small winery uh, producing very b small amount of bottles. But actually, Rusitz Superiore, uh, it was... Um, it was a place, it is a place that has 700 years of history because it was a castle. Uh, the king, Ravitori Manuele Terzo, slept over there for a couple of nights. We've got a bunker in the garden of the house, so a lot, a lot of history. And Rusit Superiore means, it's the name of the geographical place. Mm -hmm. Rusit means earth in a very, mm, let's say, old word, and Superiore, higher. So it's that hill where all the vineyards are, are around. Nice. You mentioned something earlier, um, and I wanted to go back to it, because it was actually in my notes, at, um, um, World War II. So, you know, we had, closest we had during World War II was Hawaii got attacked. Um, you said your family kind of lost a lot of stuff. Was that because after the war, um, that part of Slovenia became was was annexed off of Italy, or was it during the war? Like, uh, I know the Germans were allies, kind of with the Italians, but still, they were just kind of wrecking shop. Though they were just going through. So, was it through the annexation when they re redistributed the land? What happened there? Yes, they placed the border 
closer to Trieste, so one of the main cities. So that part uh, of Italy wasn't Italy anymore. Wow. And, di- and did um, you heard any family stories about that? Like, like please share. Yeah. Because wine is history, you know what I mean? People don't get how tied wine is to the history of the world. It looks like... Th- long time ago but actually it was 100 years ago yeah even less 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 yes. yeah my my grandfather marco told me that uh, uh the brother of his father so giovanni's brother zio chano he was the um, the guy who was running the locanda so the small restaurant so he was one of the latest one that decided to leave Isola. But he didn't want to leave, actually. Uh, As you see in the film, he was going back home, walking, and a guy told him, uh, Chano, tomorrow they're going to pick you up. So he didn't go back home. Mm. Just walk from Isola to Trieste. So just to... tell you driving from Isola to Trieste it's about an hour so think about walking yeah. in the night alone yeah but he made it so he was safe yeah then. yeah mm-hmm. no I find those stories fascinating because I, I mean it's it's incredible like you said it w- really wasn't that long ago yeah um, and um, I think historically European families live more generationally so you have had the opportunity to hear these stories um, does that give you a deeper um, sense of uh, not obligation but a even an even deeper connection to the business you're in now yeah I always record my grandfather when he says that kind of a story because yeah it's part of us yeah that, that's amazing mm-hmm. yeah you should um, you should do a podcast with your grandfather. Just record him. That way, you have it, and you could share it with your children. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That'd be really cool. Okay, so <coughs> it was 1938. So that's kind of right before World War II. He decides to start the uh, Rossi Superiore. Is that correct? Yeah. The okay. Actually, the the winery. The winery. The winery. Okay. The Feluga winery. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Um, and at that time, what type of wines were they making? Just simply indigenous stuff? Were they, were they doing a Rebola deal? What, 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 what wines were, were they producing? It was more easier because they were producing, yes, more whites than red, but the, um, there wasn't that much of uh, kind of gray varietals and uh, it was more white and red but actually we've got uh, um, documents that are saying that the ones were two uh, Malvasia mm-hmm. that actually were not producing anymore and Refosco dal Pedunculo Rosso so both very very local grapes and um, they were not of course bottling the wine they were using uh, barrels or they were using very big, mm, not tank, but uh, very big bottles of glass. 
and uh, and then my grandfather Marco during the 60s the 70s uh, started bottling actually the wine it was in Italy almost uh, would you say the the renaissance of of wine in Italy because uh, the attention of bottling the wine the attention of uh, um, the yeasts the bacterias in the cellar but even the control temperature starting during that years so you said he didn't bottle what would people come and bring their vessels and he would fill it up is that how yeah wow and actually we were with a truck sending the wine so yeah and th actually my grandfather was driving that truck so so he, he would drive around the truck with like either like a big thing around and like yes it was like that yes no that's cool i mean here we we had you know ice cream like gelato trucks we don't have wine trucks here in the United <laughs> States. <laughs> so that's 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 wild um so there the the renaissance is happening they're starting to bottle bottle wines um at that point the wines were staying still pretty much in the area or were they now you mentioned at some point like i know milan and rome are big cities and I, or were they or were, or were they making them to restaurants in other cities how what was what was going on after they started bottling the wines the most sales yeah were in friuli so in the okay. region but then in italy too because wine in the after war was seen as um food not a, a thing that you could drink and maybe have an aperitif but it was kind of energetic drink mm -hmm. and uh so the the wine that were people drinking at that time was a lot and um and i have to tell you that nowadays changed a lot so yeah i, I don't remember the numbers but it was like per person like at least not one bottle per day, but half bottle, almost. Italians are slack. I mean, I mean, so, you know, he's <laughs> just drink a bottle of wine in a day. <laughs> Especially if it's food, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still hungry. <laughs> Let's drink. But actually, my grandfather, Marco, was very innovative. It is very a very innovative guy uh -huh. because it he decided to start even to export wines so i have to tell you that our oldest importers are 25 30 years that are working with us okay like the la terra the importer that we have here mm -hmm. in uh, in us mm -hmm. so i've had some conversations with some other italian winemakers like how did he find an importer because there was no internet uh, I mean, there was phones, but it was like expensive to call. To figure, was he writing letters? Like, do you know? Do, do you have the, heard the story of how he went about finding an importer? My father and my grandfather always told me that they 
loved traveling, of course, but even to get some ideas, some new innovative things. So they were traveling a lot to US and they were traveling a lot to even Spain, traveling a lot in Germany, in Austria, uh, except from Spain and France uh, where are two places where wine it's on their roots too as Italy yeah. where we don't have any importers but in the other countries that I mentioned is where we've got our oldest importers so and even UK so yeah they were just traveling and asking and uh, they have a lot of uh, friends on the wine world and uh, so they were just asking it, it was just a word we do say in, in Italian passa parola so you, you just speak with one guy to the other and friends and they oh yeah let's see so yeah it was hard it was very hard so that's why I say that my grandfather and my father were very yeah yeah clever yeah very cool and so um <coughs> does your family still have the restaurants no no okay, yeah. but the building it's still there okay. they didn't wanna have anything back from isola okay. so they, they didn't go to the police and said that was mine and mm -hmm. i would like to have it back uh but um there's uh, actually i've been to isola last year mm -hmm. for the first time uh, with my cousin and um, he showed me where we had the locanda and uh, there's still the building is still there so now it's a pizzeria so okay. yeah <laughs> that's pretty cool the building's still there though yeah yeah so um your grandfather and father they start to grow this business they began exporting do you remember do you know the first market they were exporting to was it obviously you know france like you said france and spain have very strong wine cultures um, was it more Germany, Slovenia? Like where where were their first like international? Where did you first get your international foothold, if you will? Where was the place where people started to notice the wines of Marco Faluga? I would say U.S. and Germany. Okay. These are the two the two countries uh, we're still nowadays we're working very good with. Yeah. Even if our first market we are always proud to say that it's italy so with almost uh, the 65 percent of our sales that must be nice <laughs> yeah um so um your uh when did your dad kind of take the realm from his father marco do you know how old he was yeah, um, my father always told me that he wanted to start university, and actually he started university in Padova, mm -hmm. economy. But it was more the time that he was partying than <laughs> studying. <laughs> so a certain time he went to my grandfather Mark and said, I would like, uh, I'm not in studying I would like to to join the, the family business and start working with you so actually he was at my age and um, and then when 
my grandfather decided to retire. Mm -hmm. uh, it was in 20, 2001, 2002. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was the time when my father was alone running Marco Feluga in Rosset Superiore, yes. And do you happen to know um, like what, how much wine was being produced um, when he took over in 2000 and where he grew it to? Do you know? My grandfather, were he was producing more wines that we're producing now. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. My father wanted to focus more on quality mm -hmm. than quantity. And uh, actually, it started even from my father, uh, from my grandfather, and then my father placed it in, in the market, uh, um, aged white wines. So, yeah, actually, we were saying that Friuli is very well known for producing white wines. Yes. Uh, in specific, the Colli appellation, our appellation, produced produces the 86% of white wines and the 14% of reds. Wow. We are almost at the same percentage. We've got 80% of whites and 20% of reds. But um, before, my grandfather in Friuli were very few the people that were thinking about aging white wines. Okay. And then my father in the late 90s, let's say, wanted to, to release in the market. Uh, we're going to taste even later a, a wine, a Reserva wine, that uh, goes out at least three, four, five years. Oh, okay. Only, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, so actually, we, we have this bucket we can dump. What should we taste next? We're going to taste the Sauvignon Blanc. <coughs> from Russizzo Superiore. So if the first one was local grape, very fresh, very direct, let's say, stain and steel, mm -hmm. Russizzo Superiore instead, um, I told you it's a crew where we do grow our vineyards and um, there's even a small part of the wine aged and fermented in oak. Oh, mm. okay. Mm. Okay, I see what you did there. From 15 to maximum 20% of it. And um, I'm sorry, because I've been drinking already and it's late. It's early in the day. Is it, uh, is it French oak? What type of oak do you use? Or is it Slovenian? or is it Mostly French okay. oak. Okay. Yes. But the thing is that we try to use old oak. Okay. At least used, used okay. yes, two or three times. <laughs> but Sauvignon Blanc, it's uh, for us very important. Uh, it's very important for the appellation because I have to tell you that the first grape variety planted in Collio Appellation, it's Pinot Grigio. Um, then the second one, it's Sauvignon Blanc. And the third, almost at the same percentage, we've got Ribolla Gialla and Tokai Frulano another local grape. Mm -hmm. And um, we do produce three di different Sauvignon Blanc. One stain and steel from Marco Feluga. This one here um, that has a small part in oak and then a reserva of Sauvignon. That it's out now, the 2018 vintage. 
Wow. So the 2018 is out now. Uh, and the reserve. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's special. And we do produce the reserva wines only on the vintages that we consider the best vintages. And on that reserva, um, does that stay in oak? At least the 30%. Okay. Yes. Wow. But Sauvignon Blanc, I always say that, and our analogist too, um, that it's a, a great variety that now it's growing everywhere because you've got Sauvignon Blanc from Chile, from France, from New Zealand, from... Uh, uh, it's everywhere. Everywhere. South Africa, Argentina. Yeah. But from Friuli... <laughs> I mean, it's, ev- it's literally everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but from Friuli, you... I will say, my, my personal thought, is that you get the Sauvignon Blanc more on the exotic part of that grape variety. So it's more, I will say, even the people that are not liking very aromatic grape variety or wines, uh, you get them. Because it's more on ananas, more on mango, less on uh, pepper, less on... uh, that kind of stuff that can be too strong, maybe. Yeah, it's like passion fruit. Passion fruit, yes, yeah, yeah. yes. Um, it is quite exotic. And, you know, I, I will admit to my listeners, I, it wasn't up until a few years ago that I really knew about Sauvignons from... from um, Friuli. Friuli, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, because... You know, a lot of us, we drink what we drink, um, and you are, you run a winery, <laughs> so you understand, marketing-wise, um, you know, from Freely, it is like, it's either Pinot Grigio that, that is going to get pushed heavily into the market. Yeah. Right? Um, or, you know, and then, I mean, that's, I mean, that's probably the number one Italian song, white wine, is just that, you know, and that's not really indicative of, I would say not indicative when you're talking about regionality and, and like okay yeah and, and maybe locally yeah 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 for all the different grape varietals that you have mm-hmm. in Italy this is, I believe it's like over 400 that are in production I mean there's there's thousands but I think there's 400 that are kind of like in production white and red and like we Americans we don't know how to pronounce these grapes <laughs> <laughs> so you would think so I, on one level I would think Sauvignon would be would be, would be more well known but everyone I've had they said lifted aromatics, um, exotic. Mm-hmm. Um, so because you do come from, uh, I know you said you don't have time to cook, and I get that, but you, um, like regionally, what's the cuisine of Friuli, and how would a wine like this play into the regional cuisine? Okay, we are a region that I told you borders with the. Austria, Austria. and then Slovenia, and then we've got the sea, and then on the left part we have Veneto. So, and actually we've got a lot of influences from all of that, let's say, countries. Uh, So the cuisine, it's even a a mix and match from sometimes Austrian cuisine, uh, Slovenian cuisine, Italian cuisine. 
and um, but we are very famous for meat courses. Okay. Like goulash. Like goulash, okay. Mm-hmm. And even stuffed pasta. Okay. And um, even for producing uh, ham and cheese. So these are the main topics, uh, let's say. But even because we have the sea, mm-hmm. we even produce a lot of seafood and sea dishes. So for me, it would be great that Sauvignon Blanc with um, pasta with vongole. You know vongole, what it's? No, I don't know vongole. No? No. Uh, it's the small shell that then you open up. Okay. And you've got spaghetti with it. Oh, okay. So I don't know if it's clams or, or it's yeah. a selfish, it's but yeah. okay. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So, oh, and okay. So, uh, yeah. So what do we call it? Li- we have linguine and clams with white wine sauce. It'd be like, okay, would yeah. be like if you went to an American Italian restaurant, <laughs> they'd have linguine and clams and white wine sauce. I could see that going really well with that. Because you get the brininess from the seafood, and then you get you get this exotic fruit, and then uh, and is there like a pasta your area is known for? Because I know where pastas are regional too. Like, is there is there like a regional pasta that that uh, that us Americans don't know about that like that like Nona's make? Like like what it like is there a stuffed pasta? Okay, uh, that it's called charsons. Charsons. Yeah, it's in Friulian language. Uh, and it's homemade pasta, very soft. And inside you're gonna have uh, um, seasonal herbs. So you get, for me, that aromatic part with the herbs that it match very well. And um, outside you don't get any sauce. You get just uh, melted butter. It's very nice. So yeah, so like, you know, I hear stuff, I mean, we go ravioli. You know what I mean? Like, but it's not. It's what it's what's what is it called again? Charsons. Charsons. <laughs> <laughs> um, and when you know, how is this? Is it just like, do the food and wine pairings come naturally? Like, you know, it's, it's very painstaking. You know, on the wine side, is but like, say if you're in a typical Freeland household, are they just are the, like, are they just we're having this and this white wine. Is, I mean, do they go through the lens? They're not on their, you know, on Vivino, like trying to pair their wines, are they? Or are they just drinking what what's around? I have to tell you that um, the restaurants in, in Friuli and Italy in general, they've got a lot of uh, sommelier. Okay. That are very, let's say you're going to have more and more often a sommelier that would recommend you that wine or that class of so yeah actually in in a region as Friuli Venezia Giulia where the wines it's drinking more than let's say crudino or or an aperitif drink mm-hmm. so yeah yeah there's a lot of uh, food pairings and I I'm loving this because I, I always think of you know Stanley Tucci had a show discovering Italy and he went through the different regions and and you know we know you know um, but you said also ham and cheese what are the cheeses from your region because everybody knows prosciutto di parma mm-hmm. parmigiano reggiano 
What are I, I believe that you do know even the prosciuttos of San Daniele. Really? Yeah. Okay. San Daniele, it's from Friuli. Okay. So, yeah, it's it's sweet as the Parma prosciutto, mm-hmm. but it's smaller, the production. And instead, talking about cheese, it's um, cow cheese. Cow milk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cow milk. And it's called Montasio. Montasio. I don't know if you ever heard about I it. I think I've heard that. I mean, I used to work... I used to work at Whole Foods, guys, so we, they probably had some Montasio in Whole Foods. <laughs> I don't know if I've had it, but I've probably heard it. Um, and what is, and so it's a cow's milk. Is it, is it, a, is it a, a salty cheese? Is it a creamy cheese? What, what's the texture? What is? No, but it's not hard. Okay. Mm, it's medium soft cheese. Okay. It depends on how the producer would like to age. Okay. So usually it's served between the 30 or... 60 days of aging okay and then it can go to six months so yeah it's but but the the taste uh, it's very soft so you can use a lot of different marmalades or honeys and uh, something like that oh she she got excited (laughs) she she likes she had marmalade this morning for breakfast at the buffet Um, (laughs) 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 do you have um, do you have a favorite regional dish? Do, like when you're home in Friuli, do you have do you have a favorite dish? Maybe there's a, a restaurant. You, maybe it might be your fiance makes it. It might be your future mother-in-law makes it. Uh, or is there a restaurant? Is there something like you go like this is Friulian food, and you grab one of your wines and like? Is, do you have a favorite dish? I'm a pasta lover. Okay. In general. So every dish that has pasta for me, it's wonderful. And um, from Friuli, the charsons that I won't mention mm-hmm. before, uh, but we even produce a lot of homemade pasta. Okay. So could be tagliatelle, could be even spaghetti, a little bit thicker. Mm-hmm. And um, the sauce that you m- might have with it. It's it changed a lot, uh, even uh, on a different, uh, um, let's say, cities of the region. Mm-hmm. But um, there's um, a dish, uh, and, and uh, th- this is one of the dish that I love. It's gnocchi. I love gnocchi. Mm-hmm. Homemade gnocchi with the, the sauce of wild pigs. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So is that and is that a red sauce or is it um like a blanco kind of like? Cause can be both. Okay. Uh, can be both, uh, but uh, b- b- with yeah tomato sauce maybe it's better. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Got it. All right. So um you know what we we should take a quick break. Um we're gonna come back talk about some more food because she really got really excited with the food. You see her eyes light up. Um so we'll be back in a few seconds everybody. Did you know that one out of every five bottles of collectible wines is a fake? Rare Liquid has solved this problem with a tech platform that provides unprecedented trust and transparency for next-gen wine collectors. Working directly with iconic artisans, they verify each bottle's provenance at its source, then track its rarity, ownership, storage, and transfer history on the blockchain. 
Rare Liquid members get exclusive access to these verified rare wines and can buy, store, and pimp their collections on the Rare Liquid platform. Membership includes physical seller storage as well as cloud sellers, where you can display and trade bottles frictionlessly online without ever having to move the bottle until it's ready to be consumed. And because Rare Liquid tracks these on the blockchain, for the first time, artisans get a residual payment every time one of their bottles transfers ownership. Rare Liquid's game-changing tech creates a safe and frictionless experience for next-gen collectors while fairly rewarding iconic artisans for their craft. Rare Liquid membership is by invite only, but luckily I can help. I have a limited number of these invitations available for you, my listeners. And if you're interested in learning more about Rare Liquid, please reach out. You can hit me up on Instagram, at BlackWineGuy, or even better, send me an email, BlackWineGuy at gmail.com, and drop Rare Liquid in the subject line. Okay, we're back with Alaria Faluga, and we were talking about gnocchi and wild boar and uh, red sauce um, and her love of pasta. Uh, so let's um, talk about um, why your father decided to cut production of the wines. Because most people in America, we were big, big, bigger, 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 more, more, more. Um, what was his reasoning for, uh, uh, yeah, cutting back to production? Actually, my father wanted to get more on the quality of the wines uh, than to producing more and more. And um, still now, when we do the harvest time, like I was saying, the Reserva wines are only made on the best vintages. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, during the years now, we know which vineyard it's going to be the best one for producing that kind of wine or that we're going to mix and match with another vineyard. Uh, so that was actually the reason. He wanted quality over Instead. quantity. Yes. Okay. And... As you were talking, I was, I was, um, does your family own all the vineyards you are getting fruit from? Or are you buying fruit from communal? Like, how does that work for your family? Actually, Russi Superiore mm -hmm. are own property. Yep. And uh, instead, Markov and uh, about 50 actors. Okay. Instead, Markov and Luga are more than 100, mm -hmm. 110, and uh, they are between uh, renting uh, and the property. Okay. So, yeah, mm. not all of them. But I was saying that Russi Superiore, it's the name of the geographical place, and all the vineyards are mm -hmm. over there in one block. Okay. And instead, Marco Feluga are 100 more than 100 hectares but in four different areas so for even for different altitudes so yeah it changed quite a lot sometimes right so you have very different terroirs yeah okay um how do you manage that, <laughs> that <laughs> <change> <laughs> it's not easy i've got a 
wonderful crew. So I do work with um, our internal, let's say, chief of the countryside. And then we've got even agronomist that is helping us. But um, we do have all of our controls, let's say, uh, and samplings internals. So we've got a laboratory where we do check everything that we need. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Very cool. So um, I, 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 I would it be safe to say, like, while you were growing up, like, from nine, um, your dad was running around building this brand, uh, Marco Faluga was that like kind of he was traveling, preaching the gospel of uh, Kuli. Was that was that kind of what was going on? Did you know what? Did you know what your dad's kind of job was? Did you understand like growing up what he did? No, when I was young, yeah. uh, it was very hard <laughs> to say what was doing my dad. I was saying he produced wine, but <laughs> nobody knew what was that. But then, yeah, when I got older, I mean, in high school, yes, I didn't understand it. Yeah. So, yeah, it was quite tricky when I was younger. Yeah. And did he put you, I mean, it's, it's school time, but did you have the opportunity to do any harvest stuff when you were younger? Or Yes, <laughs> but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like playing a game i mean oh, okay we've got um, a seesaws but it was like with the, the round part uh, yeah what are those called cicadas uh, or whatever that whatever those are called yeah those mm -hmm. yeah yes and then with uh y usually we were doing with um, some friends so we were all very young kids and we were doing the harvest time all together and it took like an hour just to have a, a very small bunch <laughs> <laughs> of grapes, of clusters. And then we put all of them in a um, uh, basket or something like that, very low. And uh, they were washing our feet and then they were placing us on that bucket <laughs> to press the grapes. Oh, so, so you did, you got to stomp the grapes. Yeah, 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 <laughs> I did it. <laughs> All right, so <coughs> let's uh, kind of uh, flash forward a little bit to, again, so you took a year off. You were in London working with uh, you know, your in importer there, um, came back, decided that you wanted to uh, join the family business, so you went to the school to study viticulture and enology. Um, when did you um, come on board full time? So after you graduated university, like what was kind of like the first, your first job officially? Okay, my first job officially that I mean, it, it was very that I was feeling it on me. Mm -hmm. It's was when my father told me okay you like welcoming people you like take care of things i'll let you follow from one to hundred 
our bed and breakfast, our relay. So our seven rooms that we do open seasonally from March to November. That was good. She slid in that little, like, everybody's like, oh, I'm going to go stay. It was very, very well done. <laughs> <laughs> Where you are welcome. Thank you. Well, see, there you go. See, see how I did that? The guy's like, okay, I get it. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. But actually, it was quite hard because I had to follow two people. Mm -hmm. The one who was at full time over there and checking all the, the rooms uh, and cleaning and other stuff and the girl who was supporting her, but I have to check uh, all the, the reservations uh, and all the maybe experiences that they wanted to do mm -hmm. and suggesting restaurants and everything. So yeah. So okay, so you were like you were like the you were like the hospitality manager, like you had to, and even a concierge, like making reservations, making those, all this stuff. Not only even. Uh, I had to check uh, the food. I had to check the the coffee machine. I had to check everything. So, and even uh, I don't know the towels and everything. So it was quite tricky <laughs> at the beginning, uh, alone. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So, how long did you do that? How long was that? Was that just one season or? No, still following. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> with the team of Will Cummings, uh -huh. because I have to tell you that on the latest two years, I wanted to focus more on the different experiences that we might have in the winery. Yeah. Um, so not only the, the wine tastings and uh, and the visit, uh, but even I don't know, uh, doing with the um, gong master. Uh, gong sessions with um, inside of our cellar mm -hmm. where you've got the sound okay it goes yeah yep. and um, and then a glass of wine of course so you we could match that part of gong lesson where you have to just relax and get the sounds going inside of you and then a glass of wine to then relax so 100% I was like okay she said gong and I, so uh, so literally and I I know this because I lived in California so it was like a sound therapy so there's a gong mm -hmm. and because of the acoustics so it vibrates people okay whose idea was it to bring in the gong master that's right I just don't know who, that was yours <laughs> <laughs> where did you get that idea from <laughs> I've got a friend of mine I was speaking with her mm -hmm. that m I wanted to do something different uh, and he's and she said uh, I've got a people for you and and then yeah and uh, we're doing it every year so we we did even schedule that uh, summertime three times with the teacher of gong but uh, another thing that I wanted to introduce because we've got thank you you're welcome very close um a farm it was the horse riding okay so you can walk with the horse on on top of the horse riding the horse and uh and then arriving to our winery so that different kind of stuff that during the the pandemic of course you couldn't move 
from your region so you had to stay in your place and I wanted to get involved local people mm-hmm. and then even younger people so that's why I wanted to start these different experiences okay um, is that is that experience still available if I come out there is yeah, it sure. <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's woven into the fabric now of uh, yeah okay right. of course yeah <laughs> um, so um, when did um, your father like ask or entrust you to do something else? Like, did he? I guess you know you pr- kind of proved yourself. You're doing that. Uh, what? When? When did that? When did you start sliding over into more of the operations or the winemaking? Uh, actually, I had to push and press <laughs> a lot <laughs> at the beginning. I have to tell you that. Um, I've joined the, the wineries in uh, 2017 and I've started uh, um, following the harvest time. So I was um, following all the samplings okay. and then the fermentation processes and um, all you need in, in the cellar to, to going on. and. Um, in that part, you have to be very clear and specific. And uh, so till that time, he recognized that he could trust me. So then the, the jobs were more and more and more and more and more. So, yeah, wow. till that time. I poured us um, the third white wine you brought us. What is the third white wine we the have here? The third white wine, it's a Reserva wine. It's our Mola Matta, 2017 from Marco Felluga. It's a blend based on uh, Pinot Bianco, almost the, the 50%, mm-hmm. who's aged in oak between old and new. You, you can feel it maybe in, in the wine. And then we've got uh, almost at the same percentage, Ribolla Gialla and Tokai Friulano. So the local grape varieties that we have in our region, and um, and they are on lease, all of them, but um, the Pinot Bianco in oak on lease uh, for at least uh, six months, and instead Ribolla Gialla and Tokai Frulano in inox, so stain and still. So this is a it's a 2017 and it is very interesting because it is a, it's an older wine, it's a reserve wine, and it does have like a reductive quality to it. Um, it you can tell it's an older wine. And even the acidity I that it gets. Yeah, I'm gonna try the acidity, but like just on the nose, like the notes are more honeyed, they're more nutty. Color's beautiful. Let's see what let's see what it tastes like. Oh, wow. It's got good acidity. Again, I just have to give you guys a point of reference. That's why I'll say, you know, you're thinking like Jure, you're thinking Burgundy, like me, like you have something like this. This definitely has some weight. You can feel the weight. Yeah. The Lee's influence. But it still has great acidity. Now, why, why is that? Is that the grape varietals or is that the soils that of your region that impart the acidity? I would say both. Okay. 
um, the the soil, of course, it's very very important. Uh, we've got uh, a soil that it's called in Friulian language ponca. It's a uh, flesh, uh, a stratification of marl and sandstones, uh, and actually the um, the soil that we've got now comes from uh, 60 million years ago where 60 million years ago there was there weren't of course the hills the gentle hills that we've got nowadays but there were the sea mm -hmm. so still now we can find fossils and shells and actually in uh, Russi Superiore we did find out a huge rock and that rock it refers a uh, a piece of coral reef that was going through mm -hmm. yeah and that piece arrived over there and um a, a professor from a university studied uh, uh that huge rock and he did find out uh, the the shells and the corals and everything mm -hmm. so yeah so our soil it's quite poor mm -hmm. talking about organic part yep but it's very mineral mineral rich yep yeah 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 that makes sense that yeah. totally makes sense all right so you're moving on up you know dad was totally impressed with uh the gong idea um and he's starting to trust you more and more um for you was there a uh what, what, what did that do for like your confidence? Because this is, I mean, I think most of us don't have a family that's done something for six generations. What did that do for your confidence that you were getting more and more responsibility? Once we went to um, a dinner together, uh, the, the dinners where you've got that very small very big room a lot of people eating and sometimes you just speak with the mic and mm -hmm. let's say what we're chasing in a certain time he said um, we've got the sixth generation here with me Ilaria come here and let's say a word <laughs> and you guys can <laughs> tell she's soft spoken right and it's just <laughs> Three of us in the studio, and <laughs> she's still. If I can imagine her in front of a crowd, <laughs> it was crazy. I've made it because he gave me the strength to say something, mm -hmm. but it was actually, yeah, quite hard. First dinners out with him, uh, and actually, it was almost easier without him. Because if you're gonna say something wrong, uh, you've got nobody that is gonna y telling yeah. you, yeah. But yeah, yeah. And after that, uh, he told me, okay, now you can go and doing tasting alone uh, and uh, travels alone. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. So like we started this whole thing, I asked you how old you are, um, and and it's so funny. You're like, I'm 27 and a half. I'm almost 28. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, in all seriousness, though, like you, your father, you've, you've kind of have taken the helm because your, your father passed away in 2021. Um, 
and we're going to talk about that. Um, was your father, uh, how long was your father's illness? Uh, my, both my parents passed away from cancer, so I understand it very well. Um, like what, when did you know he was sick and then like kind of what, what was going on, uh, until the time that he, he made his transition? Actually, we discovered that he was ill very late. Okay. So it was um, May. And they, the doctors gave him five months. So, yeah. We could, w I mean, we were doing a lot of things. We traveled the whole Italy to, to find out if we could do something, but it was too strong, mm -hmm. that cancer. Mm -hmm. It was on its brain, mm -hmm. so yeah. Now was he, like I look back uh, to this day, I look back and I look at like, because I saw my mom every day, almost every day, I didn't realize she was sick, but now like she's going to look back, I'm like, oh, she was sick. Like I could see it in retrospect. Do you have that? Do you, do you ever look at photos of you guys traveling like, oh, wait, he, you know, do you, do you have that as well? Yeah, it happened the same yeah. with me. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but he was very mm, clear till the last week. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I didn't even realize that he was ill because he was talking with me and talking about work and everything. So yeah, mm. till the end. What was that time? So you found out and like you said in May, was there, do you feel, did he uh, like accelerate trying to share things with you? Like, or like what was uh, kind of like, what were some of the things that he was trying to impart to you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sharing, we always had a very great relationship mm -hmm. so he was sharing a lot with me and uh but yeah in, in that like latest part of his life yeah more than and then and then you're going through this experience and then you have you have a business to run so what was what was kind of going through your head you know um that's because you're mourning and you have a business to run, and you're a young woman, <laughs> um, uh, kind of, and everybody who's listening has is either going to go through this or has gone through this. How did you manage? How did you manage to? Uh it wasn't easy, <laughs> of course, uh, but work saved me. Mm -hmm. We, all the people from from the winery, I would say that the youngest that is working with us, uh, is working till 2017, 2016. So we've got um, the oldest woman that is working with us and that are now this year 41, 41 years that she's working Work with us. for your family, wow. Yeah, so, and most of our employees are are that on, on that years, let's say, so they're gonna be retiring, I know, but uh, yeah, they are part of the family, mm -hmm. I, I wanted to say. So they, of course, knew 
and I always say that they were my strength because uh, uh, a company is made of people mm -hmm. and they are my people. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So how did you, um, so are you the winemaker or are you just, are you director of operations? Like, like this is on you now. Um, what did you, how did you feel having the reins your first like 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 it's one thing to be in charge of the the B&B &B, and that was a lot mm. <laughs> you know at that time um, how did you feel like after your first you know you did your first harvest how did you feel like how did you feel you managed it that situation I think that sometimes I, I don't realize I just do what I have to do mm -hmm. and and then I, st I do stop myself and I say, okay, see what you have done actually. Because sometimes I was telling you that I never feel arrived. Yes. And this can be good okay. or can be bad. Mm -hmm. So this is the thing that sometimes I do stop myself and I say, okay, Ilari, 27 years old, look what you have done <laughs> and yeah. This is the thing. Yeah. 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 But uh, the thing that I always say that I've said it already is that people are making the company. Mm -hmm. So if I wouldn't have had the people around me that I have, I mm -hmm. still have, I would never made it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you, 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 I don't know what the average uh, uh, tenure of a uh, of a vineyard worker or a winery worker in the U.S. is it's not 41 years, <laughs> barely six years, um, but it, everything you shared, like because you've had people who are par part of your family, they weren't going to let you fail. They 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 were going to make sure yeah support you support yeah. you. They, you had that yeah, and that obviously had to feel incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you've been at the helm since late, so I could mid to late 2021. Um, and I guess that was, I don't even know how to describe where we're at with the pandemic anymore. But anyway, but like, so you had survived that, your dad, but you, you, guys, you guys were able to get over that bump and that hurdle. The world starts opening back up. And then is that you, you started going out on the road last year in 2022? Yeah. yeah yeah and uh what was that like for you was that your first time alone i know he you shared that beautiful story about it. come up here and say some words if you could do tastings but like what was that like you know like like it's all you i mean you have your team but it's all you out on the road what, what was what was that feeling like uh, i'm an only child so i've always been let's say alone in yep. a certain way but i've got always the support of my mother and my father mm -hmm. so of course i felt alone yeah and it's normal yeah i would say 
but then yeah i've got a lot of people that loves me and helps me so this is the thing so for for that reason i was very lucky even if in a certain way of course you you feel alone because i was sharing everything with my dad and with mm -hmm. my mom too but with my dad i was even working so a lot of ideas or innovation parts we were sharing it together even even travels yeah i've been with him all over the world so mm. yeah even in us so yeah quite hard yeah yeah um how proud is your mother of you? What, what you a lot. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. A lot. She is. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, what does your mother do? Uh, you said she's like, what does she have a career? What, is she, what did she do for a career? Just yeah. She works uh, in a um, fashion shop. So, yeah. She's selling clothes with high brands and uh, yeah yeah so I, 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 i'm yeah. dressed up yeah, with and, yeah, all yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it all makes sense now yes <laughs> very cool um all my outfits are made from her so yeah. okay that's really cool <laughs> so as the leader of of uh these incredible historic estates. Um, what's your vision for the future? So, I was telling you that our motto is never feeling arrived. And uh, we are already doing a lot of things to getting better mm, from let's say an, an easy thing that could be the the um, weight of our bottles to reduce the waste mm -hmm. um, from uh, having a solar panel that covers almost all the energy that we need in the in the solar mm, we would like to be independent uh, so in the next future from not from producing bottles of course but maybe for from producing our compost mm -hmm. and um, from producing our energy from producing our own water so we would like to to be in in that way independent working towards sustainability and and yes. and, 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 and uh, which makes sense um, it's kind of like it's better for the land, which is better for the graves, which is better for all of us. And you know, um, so have you started any initiatives with that? Like, like you know, like some people do it in phases. Like, you're like, okay, we're gonna put solar panels. Like, have you started any phases of that? Or yes, actually, we've got um, a solar panel in uh, Rusit Superiore. Okay that uh, from our website you could even see the CO2 emissions avoided uh, and uh, the equivalent in trees planted uh, that we, we have. Uh, I mean, it's something uh, interesting to see. 
and uh, we're planning to make the same at Marco Feluga Winery and um, we are working on making our own compost and um, in, in the next next future maybe even our own farm in the past we had um, chickens and uh, and um, horses but then of course you know that in the past families were living uh, in the countryside mm -hmm. and so yeah now we are mm, trying to make it back so yeah maybe producing our own eggs to give them to to the clients to the customers that you we're should, gonna you should have make a ton of money selling eggs in the united states right now the <laughs> eggs are really expensive here we yeah. have a we have an egg shortage yeah absolutely um last wine it's a red wine red wine from fruly what what is talk what Talk to me, Alaria. Red wines from Friuli are not very famous, but are really good. Yeah, I have to tell you. Um, the, the bread that we've got today, it's 100% Cabernet Franc, who's considered as a local grape, even if it's not a local grape. Gotcha. Mm, as the Sauvignon Blanc and, uh, and other grape varieties, they arrived in Friuli after Filoxera. Okay. So, yeah, almost more than 100 years ago, but of course they're not local grape. Um, this Cabernet Franc here, uh, it's a clone that it's the first clone that we wanted to preserve. And uh, since then, almost more than 20 years ago, we're doing a uh, massal selection. So we try to reproduce our own plants uh, in that period, the pruning time. We do take the branches, then we send them to Vivai Cooperativi Rascedo, the biggest nursery that we've got mm -hmm. in Italy. They're gonna plant the resistant roots and they're gonna resend the, the small baby vineyard, the, the small baby plant to us. So we can reproduce our own biotype. And this was the first grape variety from where we started. Um, it's a, a typical Cabernet Franc, I would say. You've got red fruits on the nose, uh, you've got pepper, Yes, but I will say it, it, it's, it's devoid of that excessive pyrazine, right, that you get, like, yeah. like you get bell pepper, but it's not like, for me, because Cab Franc can be, like, War Valley, I love you, but I'm going to stick with the whites, because it's mm -hmm. just it's, it's too much uh, yeah. for me. Um, but this has that beautiful, just amount of pepper and red fruits, and very, 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 very nice. Uh, um, and all of our reds, as the Cabernet Franc here, are aged at least for 12 months in oak. Okay. Rosso Superiore, we do try to use old oak. And uh, the thing that I love is that on, on that Cabernet Franc, you have very soft tannins. Yeah, I'm feeling some goulash with this, with some goulash. Goulash would be perfect. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. So we've talked a little bit about um, kind of like your vision for the future. Oh, let me back before I ask that question. So as a soon-to-be 28-year-old CEO of two wine estates, here in the United States, I don't know what's in Europe, it's like 
what are these kids called? Millennials aren't drinking wine. Are people your age drinking wine in Italy right now? Yes. Okay. And actually, they are more and more interested in wine. They try to understand more, maybe even through internet or social media in yeah, influencers. TikTok, don't uh, learn about wine on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they would like to know what they're drinking. Maybe they're drinking less. Yeah. But with better quality. That seems to be the same. They're saying that people want, they, they, you know, they want to know what's in the wine and et cetera and so on. Um, but that is good to hear that, that at least in Italy, that they are, they you know, that, that there is, you know. But uh, do you think that's a cultural thing? I mean, you guys do grow up with wine. It's, it's a part of your culture, literally. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so, and uh, yeah, I believe that it's in our blood, so yeah. So as you move forward, um, what are you most excited about for the future of Marco Ferrugo and uh, Rosita Superiore? What are you most excited about? I'm very excited because I was telling you that the, the crew, the team that I have, we're very close. Mm -hmm. And I'm even very close with our enologist, mm -hmm. um, winemaker. We, we do make the wine together. And mm -hmm. uh, now he's 10 years that he's with us. And uh, we've got um, a plan of... Um, plant some indigenous grape varieties Ooh. and see what's when going on. We're going to get a Refusco out of here? Yeah, Refusco, we, do, we actually produce Refusco. Okay. Yes, okay. yes. From Marco Veluga. But um, I, I really like Malvasia that we were saying. I like Malvasia too. Mm -hmm. I love Malvasia. I really do. So let's keep in touch. Okay, let's do that. <laughs> All right, so a couple of things before I let you go. Storm New York City. She has a scores of dinners lined up, and she's going to charm people with her knowledge of wine and her just <laughs> wonderful personality. She really is. Um, so I play a game. It's called FMK, right? So um, um, so it's fuck, marry, kill. So there's three grapes. So you, you get to have sex with one. You get to marry one. And then one, you just you can't see it anymore. Okay. All right. So I'm going to give you three grapes. You have to pick. Which one you're gonna f? Which one you're gonna marry? Which one you're gonna kill? Kill. Okay. And I'm. I had to make this very hard on you. FMK: Rebola Giola, Pinot Grigio, Sauvignon Blanc. My gosh. <laughs> <laughs> this is very hard. Exactly. It's not supposed to be easy. What the hell? <laughs> Allora, I, I will think about it because uh, I do love ribolla gialla, mm -hmm. but for me it's a way that you cannot age. Mm -hmm. So you, you would have it in aperitif, you would have it uh, with friends and opening bottles mm -hmm. and partings. So maybe I would fuck. 
Yeah, it's quickie. It's a quickie. Yeah. It's like, you know yeah. what? Yeah. Always, it's always there. Yeah. Easy. You, you yeah. just like on Tinder. Yeah. You just <laughs> have it. Uh, yeah. Let's go. Yeah. No, let's go. Yeah. 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 Let's go. <laughs> and then uh, maybe I would marry Pino Grigio. Oh, okay. Wow. I would marry Pino Grigio because uh, I love Pino Grigio and it's always uh, a thing that you will find uh, uh, that it's always correct. And it's consistent. It's like that you marry a person who's going to be like, yeah, consistent. Yeah, yeah. and right uh, and uh, sure. You come home, it's comforting, it's sure. Yeah. It's got you. Yeah. Okay, that's Pino Grigio for you. Yeah. So that I so then you're you're getting rid of Sauvignon Blanc, which is interesting, but yeah. 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 She's like, you're a little too exotic. You're a little off the, you know, you can be a little like, off the rails. Yeah. Uh, you're a little too crazy for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I like that question. Yeah, that's new for season five, because <laughs> um, I didn't ask her with that. Yeah, uh, people love, and I trust me. If I have someone who's from the Rhone, I go Grenache, Syrah, Movedra. This is not easy for people. Like, no, it's not supposed to be easy. Not at all. You're from yeah. Bordeaux, it's Cabernet Merlot, you know, <laughs> Cab Franc. Um, now, growing up, historic estates, family in, 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 in uh, owned restaurants, transitioned to wine only. But is there a bottle of wine that, that you had a bottle of wine and you're like, ugh, and you like fell in love and like the bottle of wine that just you fell in love with and like, I'm going to do this. Is there, is there a bottle like that for you that you remember? And it, and it couldn't, it doesn't have to be your wine. It could be like you're out to dinner with your dad and you had like, 85 sauce. I don't know. Was there a bottle of wine that just ever rocked your world? And you're like, oh, I love wine. I have it. Okay. In um, the ancient cellar that we have in Russet Superiore, there's a small room where my grandfather started to place very old vintages mm -hmm. that are not on sale. Are just your library of wines. Mm -hmm. Yes. And uh, over there, you've got a map where to see where is what, because, of course, during the years, you cannot see very well the label. And I know that on the left corner, we're going to have still 11 bottles of Pinot Bianco 1985 that I was lucky to drink for two times. Mm. And it's amazing. Love it, love it. Amazing. I, I mean, the the color of of a Pinot Bianco that has more than thirty five years, uh, it's golden yellow. But it smashed me up the acidity that kept the minerality. That mm -hmm. crazy, yeah, crazy. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Laria, thank you so much for coming in today. Busy schedule, making this work. Shout out to Jarvis, Sam. Give you a little shout out uh, for making this happen. Um, tell people where they can find you, how they can be a part of what you're doing uh, and why. Thank you, MJ. Thank you for everything. Um, yeah, we are on, uh, on Instagram. My name is Ilaria Feluga, easy. And uh, even with the page of the two wineries, Marco Felluga underscore Russit Superiore, even on the website and uh, most important in Friuli Venezia Giulia. There you go. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, and for all the listeners, don't forget to check the show notes for each episode. That's where you'll find info on the wines we drink. I will put links to Ilaria's personal socials, the winery socials, the winery. So you can click on it, go right there. You can go stay uh, at the uh, uh, B&B uh, where she used to run. Um, you know, maybe she'll let you barrel taste, uh, but they'll tell you all the best restaurants to go to. So I'll, I'll put all those links in there for you guys. And until uh, the next time, here's to the Mavericks, the philosophers, the deep thinkers, and all the wine drinkers. It's your boy, MJ. Peace. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned something. You had some fun while you were here. Please subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to. And if you want to be an insider and get special content, make sure you go over to blackwineguy.com and get on our email list.